Welcome back to the Maunoka Oi Magazine and Silver Shark Media Podcast. I'm Jason Evans of Silver Shark Media. I'd like to welcome our next guest, Yvonne McLean from Habitat for Humanity. Yvonne, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity. No worries. So Habitat for Humanity is a nonprofit that's pretty recognizable by name um, worldwide, I would think. But for those that maybe have heard the name but don't fully understand the mission behind Habitat, can you explain kind of what the big picture goals are of the organization? Sure. So our, our general mission is to bring people together to build homes and communities um, with the goal of, you know, creating home ownership opportunities for those in need. So what that looks like is we focus on building and selling homes at zero interest and zero profit. Um, so this allows us to create home ownership opportunities for, you know, low income families um, here in Maui in our local community. Yeah. And I, I remember... You know, when, when we did the Making Over Maui video series probably about 10 years ago um, with Leah, we went up to a project up in Kula that was sponsored by Bubba Gum Shrimp Company down on Front Street that had just completed a home for um, a local homeowner. So it's, it's really fantastic stuff. So, you know, when you scale down, you know, Habitat's big picture goals to Maui in particular, what goes into the process of selecting where these homes are built, how they're built? generating volunteers, what's kind of the the back end side of that? So the hardest part is finding the land on Maui um, because it's just so scarce. So fortunately, we have really great partnerships with either landowners or developers who will partner with us to allow us to be a part of their project, um, so to speak, or to do affordable housing as part of their project. In terms of the selection of the families, it goes through a number of hands before a family is actually selected. Um, So I will say this, we do only accept applications when we're opening up the family selection process for a development. So it's not like some, we don't accept applications on a daily basis. Um, So once, you know, we do have a project you know, in place and we're looking for the homeowners, there are a number of steps that they have to go through just to touch in a little, you know, they do have to complete a HUD homeownership and budgeting course. um, And they have to show a real need for the home. So again, we are, our main purpose is to serve lower income families that don't have a whole lot of opportunities. So the applicant has to show that they have, I wouldn't say a pretty extreme need, but a big need for our housing. Um, And then of course, there's a lot of common things that go into it, much like any other process, credit checks, income, and so forth. So when someone applies, as I was saying, it does go through a number of hands. Um, The application goes through a family selection committee, and then our board of directors, and then eventually the families are selected for the housing. So it's really heavily looked at if that makes sense, because we want to make sure whomever these homes are going to um, really have a need for these homes. Sure. And then as the construction process is underway, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are performed by general contractors that sort of lead the operation. And then you sort of have this army of volunteers that that chip in their time and energy to help move projects along. 
totally. Volunteers are the backbone of our organization. So our community has been really awesome. I actually work with our volunteers directly. And, you know, whenever we need help with something, people just show up. So we do have, you know, a contractor or I should say a project manager on site with, you know, one or two other construction team members. Um, and they, of course, lead and teach our volunteers and kind of, and they're really good about focusing on what our volunteers are comfortable and good at and let them run with it. We are a contracting company, so it's not like we hire a general contractors. So we have, you know, contractors license and, you know, we're, we're all of it. <laughs> we're the contractor, the lender, we're all of it. Yeah. So with volunteers, they come out whenever it's, if it's their schedule and help out with the bills. And we have our regular volunteers and we even have some volunteers that have been with us for like 15 years. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's just it we rely heavily on them and um we have been so fortunate to you know have the Maui community show up and to kind of expand on that we've actually even had people from like group from the mainland and even outside of the United States coming to Hawaii to help with our our project. So we've got a lot of, you know, hands in and it, it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that because of the foundation that Habitat has built, you know, kind of worldwide, it's, it is something that people believe in and, and something that has a lot of credibility. So when you start to finish on, on a, say a home project here on Maui, what does that normally look like in terms of designating a family as the recipient of a home that will be built to the day that they get the keys and can move in? Okay, so there are one of the requirements from our family partners is they also have to be hands in. Um, so they are required to help with the build of their home and also recruit their friends and families to help as well. Because um, we're also trying to build a sense of community. Sure. Um, so they are required to do what we call sweat equity, and that totals 500 hours throughout that period. And those are ways that they kind of pitch in um, with the build of their homes. Right. And so sometimes homes go up really quickly if a family partner can, you know, rally their friends and families and, you know, get these hours out of the way. I mean, I know we've had homes that have gone up, you know, in a couple of months. Wow. So it's really all just dependent on how much the family partners are willing to put in. Sure. And so once they complete their hours and once, you know, the home passes the necessary inspections and things to that nature, um, then we can take them to closing. And that's when, you know, they would sign the documents and assume the mortgage and, of course, um, get the keys to their home once it's recorded, which is a really neat process. And so we we tend to do little celebrations once someone closes on their home. We do like a house blessing with our office and their family and, and so forth. Yeah, and, and I know, you know, from experience of being um, of seeing the process, it's, it's very emotional process as well, I think, for the family to kind of see things come together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I know you have a couple different projects going on currently. Uh, uh, one, at least in particular, is in Cahoma on on the west side in Lahaina. What has that project been like and, and what has the timetable been? Okay, so this project started several years ago. So this is a 10 home project that Habitat has. And this subdivision it's really unique in a sense where there's three developers in that subdivision. So it's a total, it's a 68 
uh, new construction subdivision that included um, Habitat for Humanity, Nahaleo Maui, and West Maui land. So you have a mixture of affordable housings and market value homes. What it's been like, there's so many different answers to that. <laughs> sure. I mean, there, you know, there are times where we've had struggles, like this year, for instance, considering the pandemic and a lot of ongoing changes. I mean, although this year has been struggles in terms of having volunteers on site, we've been really pushing through and working really hard to stay on track with this project. We just completed our build-a-thon in February that was focused on the Cahoma residential subdivision. Um, That was a success of an event we had. um, It was a two-day event. And between the two days, I think we had somewhere, somewhere upwards of like 70 volunteers for the two days. And we were able to raise quite a bit of funding also, which of course goes back into the project for building materials. Sure. So we had a successful fundraiser this year surrounding Kahoma. And despite, you know, the changes and the pandemic kind of happening in the beginning of the year and having, you know, a stop on volunteers, you know, we were still able to accomplish what we're looking to accomplish in that subdivision. And that's close on homes for our local families. Well, let, let's talk about the situation this year a little bit. We've chatted with a few other nonprofits and and everyone's affected in different ways. As you mentioned, you you rely on volunteers, you have a lot of hands-on work, um, you have groups of people Mm -hmm. together. So what has this year been like for Habitat for Humanity? How have you sort of had to adjust, stop down, reassess as as these past few months have gone on? Well, in the beginning phases, it was a little bit rough, not only, I mean, our construction site, because they were considered essential, they were able to continue working. Um, We did have to close down our restore, which is another kind of bigger way that we have funding for our projects. And of course, most of our administrative offices were closed as well. As far as on the site, although our construction crew and staff and subcontractors were able to work, we had to temporarily suspend our volunteer program. We were having carpenter volunteers and, you know, contractor volunteers coming in every Saturday of upwards of 20 people, which, you know, it's huge. And then going back down to our regular construction crew, which is a team of three. Right. Um, So they really had to push through with making their deadline, so to speak, or making sure that we're not getting too behind on the project, which I think they did a really awesome job at. And you know, of course, with everyone being home for the stay-at-home order, a lot of people being laid off, we were actually receiving even more inquiries for volunteers of people, you know, wanting to pitch in because now they have the time. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, we just could not accommodate that because of our stay-at-home order. Sure. Um, and so, you know, eventually with the mayor's help and approval, we were able to slowly re-welcome volunteers. Um, but of course, we still have protocols in place. Uh, we don't want to be completely negligent of it. So we really try to limit the amount of volunteers we have on site. International has completely suspended all, you know, international programs or any programs that require travel, which, you know, we would have anywhere from like three to four groups every year coming to help. So that has been suspended. Um, So, you know, it's affected us in a lot of different ways, but we were able to really come together and bounce back, so to speak. You know, the second we were allowing volunteers, the community, again, really showed up and rallied and, you know, reminded us, hey, we're here. If you need help, we're here, which we're so appreciative. 
you know, we appreciate that so much because we really wouldn't be able to do this and really work our mission without the help of the community. And it has to be a really different mindset for a nonprofit in particular, because you spend a lot of time and energy building momentum, momentum, momentum. You know, in nonprofits, there's almost no such thing as too many volunteers. And then you have a situation that's out of your control that limits all that momentum you built. So I have to imagine just from a strategy standpoint, it's been sort of quite an adjustment to have to kind of temper down how many volunteers you have when in a normal situation, you'd be encouraging more and more and more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, especially with suspending volunteer programs. I mean, we have several volunteer partnerships, not just with, you know, organizations or programs outside of the state, but here in our local community. And, um, it, it has been a struggle, especially, you know, everyone's wanting life to go back to normal, you right. know? I mean, we have, especially for our regular volunteers who, you know, have made it a part of their schedules to be with us, whether here in the restore or on a construction site. And, and, you know, that has been, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit of, of a struggle. I mean, an understandable struggle because we all want to be safe and healthy, yep. but Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the line that everyone's walking, especially now as things begin to open up on kind of uh, the limitations that, that, you know, balance both safety and getting back to, I guess, the, the normal productivity, um, especially when yeah. you're when you're doing something so so big, like like the projects that you guys have undertaken. Yeah, I will say this, though. I'm not saying that we're not accepting volunteers. Right. We, of course, are. We've always got something to do. You right. know, we've got other than Kahoma, we've got other projects on the horizon that we are really in need of volunteers for. Um, But in terms of, you know, that era of where a lot of our focus was on the subdivision and then the, you know, pandemic happened. um, Yeah. There were a lot of kind of bigger adjustments that we had to, had to deal with, but we are still accepting volunteers. So please, you know, reach out to us. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So you also touched on restore and that's something that you mentioned as a way to kind of that, that helps provide some of the funding and also resources. Can you kind of expand on on what ReStore is and why it's important? Yeah, so the ReStore is, the easiest way to put it, it's a thrift store. Um, we do have a lot of new things that come in from our partners, uh, but we sell building materials, household items, and things to that nature. So everything that's made from the ReStore, of course, goes back into our projects. Almost all of everything that's in the ReStore are donations from you know our community or, again, our partnerships that we have with businesses. So we, on a daily, do accept donations because, again, it's a way for us to, you know, restore our inventory. Um, it is by appointment only. That's one of the changes that we've made. Sure. Um, and there are certain things that are accepted at the restore. So there are some items that are unacceptable. So if, you know, someone's doing some spring cleaning, I know we had a lot of people doing that during the stay at home. Um, and we had a, a lot of people donating stuff, which we appreciate. Um, but I always encourage people to visit habitat-maui.org to, for a list of what we we can and we can't accept, you know, that way, you know, they're not loading up their vehicle only to be turned away right. uh, when they come and drop it off. Um, so it's, 
a pretty big part of our organization as well, because, you know, other than grants and things to that nature, we rely on um, the ReStore also. Very cool. So beyond Kahoma, what other projects do you have going forward here on Maui, you know, in 2020 and, and even looking ahead to, to next year? What's kind of on the horizon for Habitat Maui? Yeah, so 2020, we are going to be continuing um, our partnership with the Department of Hawaiian Homeland. Um, we have up in Kula. So we have about four or five more homes in the pipeline to help the Hawaiian families with the building of their home. We are also refocusing on a program called A Brush with Kindness. Um, this is a program that helps elderly or disabled homeowners with critical repairs and retrofit. Um, so that's something we're refocusing on. And um, we do have a HANA project that's coming up, but we're not really talking about that because we're in such the beginning phases of it. So that is coming up probably beyond 2020, I'd say. And then, of course, wrapping up the Kahoma uh, residential subdivision project in Lahaina. We should be wrapping that up in 2020 as well. Well, you have, you have a lot going on. And as you said, there's always a, a use for volunteers. So let's kind of break it down into regions. If, if yeah. people wanted to volunteer time or energy or resources, uh, let's say on the west side on the Kahoma project, how would they do that? Mm -hmm. So they would reach out to us for, first. Um, of course, we want to know a little bit about what they're looking to do and their time frame, um, and also give them some information in regards to the site and what to expect. And then, of course, talking about you know having them sign waiver of liabilities and some office work things. So um, I would encourage, you know, if it's a first-time volunteer, reach out to us so that we can kind of guide them and set them up with our project manager on the site. And then once, you know, they do their initial introduction if you will, um, they can really just pop in at any time so long as the construction crew is out there working. The same would apply okay. for volunteers who would want to participate in your Kula Hawaiian Homelands project? Yep. So any construction project, it's going to operate pretty similar. We do accept restore volunteers as well, but because, you know, it's indoors and in a more confined area, um, there are even more limitations to that. So I would say just give us a call. We're happy to talk to you more about our opportunities that we have and set you up with whatever works for you, what you're comfortable doing. And I, I think one thing also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you do not need to have a background in construction experience to help out. Is that right? I mean, your project manager will kind of suit you to to tasks that, that fit your experience. Yes. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a really good point. You do not have to have any construction experience. A lot of people think you do. You don't. So we accept anyone from a total novice up to a skilled carpenter. And we do have a team out there that will kind of give you a task list and you can really select what you're comfortable doing. Or if you want to learn a new trade, they're happy to teach you as well. And there's always something to do on the site. So if you want to, you know, put two by fours or cabin trees or doors up, you can do that. Or if you just want to do cleanup, that's there too. So there's a variety of things for all level of experiences. Perfect. And so for website and social media contacts, where would folks go to, to learn more about how they can get involved? Yes. So our website is habitat-maui.org. Um, you can also call us at 242-1140. And please follow us on Facebook because we update changes and needs pretty frequently. And that's just going to be facebook.com uh, forward slash habitat for humanity Maui. 
Perfect. Well, thank you, Yvonne. I, I know that, you know, Habitat has always been an organization that, that I've had a, a deep passion for. And as I said, we, we did a feature with you guys years ago for Making Over Maui uh, with Maui Noko Oi magazine up in Kula. And it was a really rewarding day and a really rewarding story to tell. And, and I know that you have many, many more rewarding stories that are that are ongoing. And, and I really appreciate your time today and, and all the work that you and your team have done. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, for your call.